Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed. In this season, you're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois. And you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. My name is Luke. I'm the pastor here. And uh, it is as beautiful of a day, I think, as you get in the world. So we're going to do our best to honor God uh, while we're in this room, and then we're going to get you outside to hopefully honor God somewhere else. Uh, and I'm thrilled that you're here. Um, if you have a Bible, you can turn to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning. We've been studying through this book slowly but surely, and uh, we've made it to the middle of 2 Peter chapter 2. Uh, I am not a big uh, rules person. Anybody? Meet me there, like, you, when you hear a rule, your first instinct is like, what's the way in which I can justify in my head to break it? Anybody willing to say you have some? I know that's more of a second service kind of rule breaker vibe. Yeah, totally. Uh, my instincts, maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's my sinful nature. My instincts are to see warnings or uh, rules as an impediment to my goals, not something really super worthwhile. That's probably something that a counselor could help me figure out or whatever. But the, uh, this morning, I was just reminded of it. I was standing outside greeting people out right out here like I like to do. And uh, this family started walking in and uh, one of the people at the door kind of bent down to kind of say hi and hug this little child that they know. And this little girl just screamed out. She said, my dad said, don't ever hug strangers. <laughs> just like that, just like, just like uh, It can be easy to perceive warnings as bad, but they are sometimes really, really, really good. One of the best things that you can ever find is that if something is going wrong with your body, that they detect it early so that it can be properly dealt with. And the message today is a warning. Um, it's a warning and uh, it's... It's daunting. This is one of the most intensive passages in the whole Bible that speaks of what God sees in sin in the world. And uh, so let me just uh, kind of get past the opening part. The message today is called, but what if you aren't really a Christian at all? That's what the message is about today. And I just want to show you four things that Peter's saying. My, the authority in the message is not from my words. Uh, it's from the Bible that we're holding. And I just want to read it to you. So we're in 2 Peter chapter 2, and we're starting in verse 10. He says, especially those, picking up where he left off, who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord, but these like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be counted and destroyed in their destruction. Suffering wrong is the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. 
Peter is describing uh, what people are like who have this like a, a gloss or a, they're wearing a Christian t-shirt but nothing is real on the inside. And uh, he gives four, I think I see four ways to know if maybe you say you're a Christian but you're not really one at all. The first one is he, I think it's real clear there in that beginning verse. If you have no respect for God's authority, maybe you aren't actually a Christian at all. Maybe you aren't actually a Christian. What I mean by that, and I think what Peter means by that, is uh, if you're willing to like be counted in the number, but not willing to bend the knee, if you're willing to sing the song, but not willing to modify or change your perception of the world or your sense of the way that things should act, maybe the answer is that you don't really have anything life-changing inside of you at all. Do you see what he says there? Uh, people who indulge in the lust of defiling passion, we'll talk about that in one in a second, and despise authority. These people, he says, are bold and willful. They do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. It's not just uh, that people of this nature don't obey God's rules. It's that they're sort of like proud of it, thrilled about it. They're like so positive that this stuff that we're talking about here is all so foolish and old fashioned. They are bold and willful. Do you see it there? It says that they don't even like, they're not even like worried. They don't tremble. They're not like, oh, I wonder what God's going to think about the fact that I think all his rules are stupid. My Bible and yours says they're not even like worried about it. They're like totally cool. That word there, uh, to blaspheme, is the idea of to look down on or to presume. A blasphemous judgment. They look at God's rules for the world and they say, I know better than God. I know better. I know better. I know better. And we, uh, I don't know, this is maybe just the phase of life that I'm living through. I associate I know better with teenagers. Can I get a witness anywhere? Can I get a witness anywhere? Can I get a witness anywhere in the house of God today? I, you remember when you went through that phase of realizing that your parents didn't know anything at all and you knew better than them in every possible way? And then like slowly over 10 or 15 years, you sort of wandered back to being like, well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, they weren't maybe as dumb as I thought in the first place. It's kind of, it's that sense of how could anyone possibly know better than me? And people look at the way that God says we should run our families, live with our sexuality, what we should do with our finances. And people look at the rules and, and wisdoms that God lays out in his word and they say, eh, fine. I know better. I know better. And what Peter's saying is they're not even like worried about it. Because that's what he's saying then in verse 11. He's like, the thing about angels, there's more angels than there are people, he's saying, and they are stronger and smarter, I guess, and more powerful than we are. And there's some evil angels, he's saying. Look in verse 11, but he's saying, even those angels, they don't do this like blasphemous judgment thing against before the Lord. I think what he's saying is, there's some evil angels that kind of do their own thing, but they don't shake their fist at God while they're doing it. It's two kinds of rebellion, right? There's sneaky rebellion, 
I was a church kid. This is what most church kids are into. Sneaky rebellion is where you kind of like never admit that you're doing your own thing. Kind of like smile, show up at church, sing the song, and then do whatever else at the rest of the time. That's one thing. But it's a whole nother thing to be proud of your rebellion and unwilling to even have enough shame about it to hide it. That's what he's pointing at. So he says, people like this, verse 12, again, I know this is a lot. I'm just trying to teach God's word to us all honestly. The thing about people like this, he says, they're irrational animals. Tough. Creatures of instinct. He's saying, uh, so you know how animals, they don't like really operate with a lot of forethought. They just kind of like are doing whatever they're doing, whatever they're feeling, they just go. I uh, have this early morning walk that I love to take over here, I don't know, a few blocks away, right by Paddock Elementary School. And there's like uh, five or six people that bring these huge dogs out to this giant field about, I don't know, 5.45, 6 o'clock in the morning. And they all just kind of stand in the corner of the field and talk while they let the dogs free. And what do the dogs do in the giant field first thing in the morning? I mean, they're just like just running like a million miles an hour and they got all the fur and it's everywhere and it's like the most charming thing to watch because they're not going anywhere. They're just like thrilled to be out and about. You really like that, the way I was impersonating the dog, didn't you? I'm getting that on your faces. You were really into that. We'll see if we can work that in again before the end. They're going by instinct. They don't know anything more than I do what I feel. And Peter's saying people who don't honor God's authority are the same way. And sure, they suffer wrong, and more is coming, but they count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. Again, not trying to hide the fact that they shake their fist at God. And so I ask, God's angry. I'm I'm your friend. I'm not angry, except for I'm trying to teach God's word on God's behalf. But if you have like a, I believe in Jesus, also I do my own thing all the time and don't feel any guilt about it, is it possible Can we just consider that maybe you don't actually have faith like at all? Not real faith. The text continues now in verse 14. He says, uh, people like this have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice on steady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they've gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved game from wrongdoing. He was rebuked for his own transgressions. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. I want to teach this section to you now uh, under this heading. If you have no control over your appetites, maybe you aren't a Christian at all. I think that's what he's, he's getting at. when He, he says, uh, for someone to have eyes full of adultery... It's the idea of there is so much sin inside of them that they can't think of or conceive of anything else. I uh, spent a lot of years doing uh, youth ministry, and uh, I was around a lot of teenage boys who were just like really like warped in their sense of sexuality. And I remember this. This is going to sound like I'm joking, but it's just like was the thing that popped into to my head. I remember uh, Kristen saying to me like, when the teenage boys are checking out the pregnant pastor's wife, when she walks by, you get the sense of how like deep and dark some of the ways that they're twisted up. 
And I'm sure that all the women in the room could acknowledge that you get around sometimes, especially men, this is often true, where they are so warped that they can't even hide the unrestrained, uncontrolled sexuality inside of them. Am I telling the truth? And that's how you know that sin has overcome a person when they're unable even to start to hide it. That's what he's saying. Uh, the thing that's brutal about people like this is that they don't just hurt themselves. They pull other people around them. They've gone the wrong way. Uh, he brings in this story from the Old Testament. If you grew up in church, you probably know it, the story of Balaam. Uh, Balaam is maybe like the closest thing we have in the Bible to like Shrek or one of those Pixar movies. Uh, basically, the point of the story is there's this prophet, and he's so unable to perceive the things of God that God has a donkey turn around and talk to him, showing that if an animal can hear God, how dare you not be able to hear him or understand him? That's the point that he's making. So I guess just what, I'm, what he's saying, and I guess what I'm aiming for here is if you uh, have no control over your appetites, some of those are more obvious. Sexuality, drinking, substance, some of them are a little more well-hidden. Maybe your appetite for more money is uncontrolled. Your appetite for spending. Maybe it looks to all of us in the room like things are going great, but if we knew some of the statements that come to your house, you're spending, 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 trying to keep up with some perception of something because this appetite of power, this appetite of fitting in, this appetite of looking a certain way has overcome you. And he's, basically what he's saying is if your desire for what is something other than God is so much that you have no control over it. Maybe that means that the Holy Spirit isn't actually inside of you at all. He continues on. Verse 17, he says, uh, People like this are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. Uh, our God is a God of love. He is also a God of justice. And he is giving here uh, clarity on what is coming the way of people who don't choose his way. And there's a lot of We've talked about it recently. There's a lot of places you can go and sermons that you can watch and churches that you could be part of who would never read a verse like this to you. But he says, for people who have no actual evidence of God in their life, what's reserved for them is the gloom of utter darkness. Uh, I've told you guys this before, but I like, feel like as I'm getting older, I'm a little more affected by the weather. Anybody feel like that? That, and like it was maybe like five or six days in a row of rain and I was like I don't know what like I was like falling apart like three days ago when it was like it's raining again <laughs> just imagine the gloom of permanent unending darkness being described here why are there people going this direction? Because speaking loud boasts of folly 
they entice by sensual passions of the flesh people who are barely escaping from those who live in error. Here's the key verse. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. This is uh, the interesting thing about darkness and evil is that evil is never content to stay where it is. It is always reaching out and trying to grab more people to pull into the evil. And he says, Peter's saying through here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is what's so bad. You know the promise? The promise is always the same. The promise is, come over here. This is where we're really free. This is where you can do what you want. This is where there isn't all that rules and, and stuff. And this is where there are all, are all those restrictions. Get over here. The, the promise that the world is always offering is doing whatever you want, whatever you feel, whatever comes into your mind this second is the path to happiness and joy. And just, I mean, when you're 17, when you're 21, sadly for a lot of people in this generation still trying to figure this out at 41, for some people, that seems like a good pitch. Whatever I feel, whatever I want, what, sign me up. But the problem is, is doing nothing more than what I feel is actually a worse kind of enslavement than being under God's authority in the first place. If I just eat whatever I want, I start waking up every day with a stomach ache. If I just look at whatever I want to look at, my mind gets warped and gross. If I just go buy whatever I want to buy, keeps going, keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. That's what he's saying. He's saying, do you not see that the people that are promising you freedom are actually the people that are the most enslaved? This is the third part. If you have no ability to change your patterns of behavior at all, maybe you aren't a Christian at all. A couple things in this little section I thought were worthwhile and interesting. One of them is this. Do you notice there in verse 18 uh, that this way of thinking that I'm describing here speaks loud boasts of folly? Isn't it funny that often the people that are the most confused are the ones who are most certain and want to tell you with a loud voice how right they are? You know, it's like, it's weird. Usually the people that talk the loudest are actually the ones the least worth listening to as you're all sitting quietly and I'm talking quite loudly. I understand. <laughs> uh, also notice the way that the certainty of the promise of freedom becomes a different kind of enslavement. Uh, does anybody know who this guy is? Do I have a, sorry ladies if that's pulling you down there. I, okay, I got one. Uh, this is the liver king. This guy got real famous a couple years ago on the internet and his deal was that he told uh, everybody that he got like this just by eating raw meat and exercising. And he built, okay, I got a few, yeah, I think you can already kind of feel where this is going. So he built up this huge internet thing of like, you know, we're just going to, I think up one of those pictures there, he's like eating a liver out of like a, an animal that he killed. And it was that kind of like rough, uh, we're going to sleep outside and get in the sunlight and lift weights and drink water. And then if you, if you buy my course, three easy steps. 
12 discipline weeks and you can look just like me. You'll never guess what happened next. You'll never guess. Uh, what happened next was someone found and put on the internet uh, emails of this guy desperately trying to buy steroids so that he could make himself look the way he was promising everybody else they could look. And it's like funny how confused our minds were. Just help me here with a little show of hands. I'll put the picture back up just for one second. Who could look at that person and know that no human body naturally looks like that? Like, just like, who like knew that? Like, I mean, one second, two seconds. Oh, yeah, no. But for people who are, for whatever the reason is, desperately in search, you can take it down now, desperately in search of whatever that feels like, they buy into the obvious lie because they can't see that the person selling them the lie is deceived. And I just, I wonder if, if that's what your life is like. Another cycle, another pattern, another going this way or that way, chasing after something else, while at the same time you're still like, well, yeah, no, I believe in Jesus. Maybe, maybe you don't actually, though. Can I just offer that? Um, last part of the scripture, it says this. So if after, this is the part that really um, grieves my spirit. He says, so after they've escaped the defilements of the world, through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them to never have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. This is what the true proverb says has happened to them, he says. Uh, the dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. He says, so if you... We have two options with what is written there. One option is that um, you can be a Christian and then be a person of faith and then lose it. Another way of looking at that is there's a lot of people who look like Christians from the outside, but just watch and see if they don't stick with it. Maybe that means they don't have it at all. Uh, we could have a profitable conversation about that, but I would just, I, I think the second one is the better way of looking at it, I think. So he's saying there's a lot of people that kind of look like they got it. And if you've been around church, not just this church, any church in your life, you've seen people like this, haven't you? People who for a while, they're like tracking along. They're showing up, you know, like maybe they got one of those big Bibles. They even got like their name kind of engraved on one. And they like really seem like they got the, they're, they got the vibe. You know, they got like the, the shirt that they're wearing or they got the bumper sticker on the car. Or they're like going with it. And then at some point along the way, you look on like Instagram or whatever, and you're like, wait, whatever happened to that person? Who just, because we're all trying to be in this together, who could think of a person or two just comes to your mind like that, who you know who's like that in your life? Who's got some people that come to your mind like that? Yeah, a lot of people are pointing. Okay, that's a little awkward. So, <laughs> she used to be like that, yeah. I think a lot of, of us could. People who, I, I just, I don't know what happened. I thought, it seemed like they were, but wait, now they're, but wait, like, What's crazy, do you see it? Uh, Peter says, 
that person is actually worse off than the person who's way off in the world and doesn't know God at all. Why? Um, because when you've been close to faith and then walk away and reject it, it's even less likely that you're going to find your way back because your heart just gets harder and harder and harder and harder. And there's people, I'm looking at my friend Brian here, who's like in the fourth row, came to faith as an adult. And since today, how many years have you been in faith, Brian? Seven, Seven years. And since I've known you, uh, since you've been in faith, you've been blessed to keep on growing in your faith, which is what says to me that it's a real and sustaining faith. Yet if you have the opposite testimony than Brian does, like I do, like a lot of you probably do, where I, you grow up in church, there's so many people who grow up in church, and then once mom stopped putting me in the car, or once like, I, there wasn't a cute boy over there to go hang with, or once there wasn't like some other thing grabbing onto it, they're just way, way out there in the world. And Peter says here, they are worse off. He says, do you see in verse 21, he says, it actually would be better I don't even, I can't, I'm just to be honest, I don't even understand the next verse. I don't understand it. But I know it's true because it's in the Bible. He says, it would be better for them to never know the way of righteousness than to know it and turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. He's saying, the worst place that you can be as a human being is to be someone who had every opportunity to know who Jesus was and then to just kind of throw that all on the ground and be like, nah, I know better. It's gross, but what he says here, I guess, makes sense. Uh, dogs go back to their vomit. Pigs, after washing themselves, go back to the mire. I don't know that much about dogs. Is that true? Do dogs do that? Who, can I, can, okay, they do. Okay, yeah, so. Gross. <laughs> disgusting, right? Disgusting, 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 disgusting. One of the like, most beautiful things that parents do for their children is clean up after they puke. <laughs> beautiful in God's eyes, not in like, any literal sense, obviously. <clears throat> but how? That's what a person is like who, so that's, I guess what I'm throwing in as the last thing is that if you have no, if you have no lasting growth or change, if you have spiritual words being said to you and around you, but, I mean, really, I'm just the same as I was before. Really, just the same as I was before. Saying the same things, dealing with the same things, struggling with the same things, navigating the same things. I'm really just the same as I was before. If that's you, maybe you aren't a Christian at all. Hebrews chapter 6 describes the same phenomenon, and it uses a phrase that's always stuck with me, that there are some people who taste of the heavenly gift. It's in this idea of um, there is some amount of spiritual awakening in you, but you've never meaningfully and truthfully repented of your sin and chosen Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. And sometimes the way that we have done church in America has messed with this, because sometimes we make people think like, 
you know, just say these eight words after me and you're square and it's all good, or just walk to the front or throw a stick in the fire or nail some sins to the cross or just do like this one little thing at this one little moment and then you're all square. And what always is missing is the one little thing at the one little moment works if it's a heart that genuinely means it and the Holy Spirit infuses you so that you keep on walking it out. Our country is filled, 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 filled with people who would say that they are Christian. But if they died today, would spend an eternity in what this text calls the gloom of darkness, what other texts in the scripture call the lake of fire. And if you're feeling a little of that, like, am I, am I sure, am I sure, am I sure, am I sure, am I sure? That's what's supposed to be happening. That sense of conviction uh, is what's supposed to be happening. Because I don't want you, I don't want us, I don't want our kids, I don't want our families to be like, this is the verse that he's, Peter's quoting, like a dog who returns to its vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. It's really hard, and I'm almost done now, uh, but I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is moving in this room right now. It is really hard to break out of a cycle of rebellion or to break out of that shell of sort of fake religion. Because the only way out of it is to take some steps that you maybe have already taken before, but this time fueled with a, a meaningful Holy Spirit in you sense of this is actually true. And so there's no like, I can't give you any magic words. The only step out of a cycle of rebellion is dramatic obedience. For some people that might be a true conversion. There are people who can hear me right now that need to pray to God, repenting of their sin, choosing Jesus Christ's payment on the cross as the only solution for their sin and mean it in a way that they didn't actually apparently mean it at some other time when they went through that same step. For some people, you need to like, I don't know, you know, throw your computer in a swimming pool or cut up all those credit cards or never talk to that person again and block them on your phone as long as you live. There's some thing that is an idol that is making it impossible to see whether you really have the faith or not. Some people, you might have the like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Uh, and Jesus would say, well, if you're, if you're a believer, what I want you to do is go public and be baptized. And you've been like coming up with all these reasons about like, how your hair might look when it gets wet or how like you need to get your mom from Cleveland to come before you could do it or whatever all the reasons are. And you need to just be like, okay, you know what? I'm not waiting anymore. I'm not waiting anymore. I'm not waiting anymore. I'm going to do the thing I need to do today. Uh, financial giving is part of it for some people. I don't know. I can't even totally describe it to you, but there's something about when you give God like a lot of yourself, but hold your wallet in your pocket and refuse to give him that part. It, it sometimes is, evidence that you want the good parts of faith, but you don't actually have the real thing. For some people, unforgiveness is a sign that you don't uh, really have it. I don't think that any person who has been truly forgiven for their sin by Jesus Christ is able to, in a long-term way, hold on to unforgiveness of someone else. 
like, yeah, he betrayed you. And he ruined all your plans for the future. He did. But you betrayed God and he gave his life for you anyway. And so I'm just giving these as examples for just this. I just, I guess there's just people, I know that, I know it in my heart. Maybe you could just bow your head for just a minute. I know in my heart that because of the realities of what life is like in the world we're living in now, there are people who don't have genuine faith. And there is no shame in saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I just, I gotta get this right. That is what God wants when he puts things like this in his word is to say, God isn't like rooting for us to end up in this gloom of darkness. He's trying to show us the truth so that we turn from our sin and receive the glorious, wonderful grace of a loving God who takes us as we are when we come towards him. And so uh, we're not gonna take a lot of moves today, but we are gonna take one. Is there anybody in the room today who could raise a hand that would say, I'm not totally sure I got this right, and I want to get it right right now. I'm not going to put a microphone in your hand. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I'm not even going to like walk up to you and make you tell me the whole story or pull it all out. That's not what we're doing right now. Is that anybody in the room? Could you just raise a hand right now? Yeah, all over the room. Mm-hmm. Just keep it up for just a second. We're going to pray it through the finish line. Awesome. Anybody else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of people. But lots of people isn't important. If you can hear me right now and it's God who's speaking to you, is there anybody else in the room who's like, I, I, I mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna pray for all those people now. I'm just gonna pray a prayer, and you may have done this before, but we're just trying to say, Lord, I know I mean it now, and I'm coming to you now. You could just, you could whisper it, you could say it. Say this, say, God, I know I'm a sinner. If you had your hand raised, just come on, meet me right there. You could just say, God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I know that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is the only path for me. God, I am choosing you as king over my life. Please help me, Lord. I don't want to be stuck anymore. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you, everybody, just stand to your feet. So uh, the way that we're working today is uh, sometimes it feels like we make things a little too easy for people. And so just put those steps that I had a second ago on the screen. Just throw those up there. If you need to take one of those steps, 
you got to take one of those steps. So if you need to find Kristen or I and say you need to get baptized, I'm not hiding. I'm standing right here. If you need to get your wallet off the sidelines and into the church, there's like a million ways. You know what I'm saying? It's all there. If you need to talk to somebody, I'm sure there's someone coming now who would love to pray with you, a person or two we'd love to pray with you. This is a challenging word from the Bible for us today. But just like that sweet girl I was talking about at the very beginning whose dad taught her not to hug strangers. Good warnings are an awesome way of showing love. And God loves us so much, he doesn't want us to stay stuck right where we are, doesn't he? So I'm really thankful that you came to church today. I'm thankful we have the kind of church where we can tell each other the truth. Uh, be playing, if you'd be willing, pray for us in the next hour as this word goes out again. And uh, we will see you very soon, everybody. This is good news. Thank you so much for coming. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is good news.